Kia ora and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm William Chan. I'm Max Tant. And I'm Sarah Watt. Each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective, with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar theme. And this month we're discussing Get Out, which came out in the last few weeks, and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which came out in 1967. And the connection being that they are both films about a young white woman bringing home a black boyfriend to her parents and having dinner together and seeing what happens. So, uh, let's start with Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. William, do you want to give us a little bit of an overview of this 1960s film? Of course. So, um, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner was directed by Stanley Kramer. Uh, came out in 1967. And um, I think it's all in the title, really. Um, as Jeremy <laughs> was saying, just a, a young interracial couple uh, invite themselves, basically, to the girl's parents' house and give them an ultimatum about whether they would accept or reject their union uh, by the time the night is up. And then it's, it's basically up to there. Um, the, the guy's parents also get invited and dragged into the whole thing. Um, and it becomes a stage play, almost, where it's very limited. There's, what, like two, two sets, two locations? And a whole bunch of talking from a whole bunch of pairing up of characters. Okay, thanks, William. Max, do you to give us a bit of an overview of Get Out? As we just said, Get Out was released in the last few weeks. It was uh, the di- di- directorial debut of Jordan Peele, uh, of Key and Peele fame. Uh, he also wrote the film. And it's basically, as we know, about a young African-American man and his white girlfriend. I find it funny saying interracial couple. It sounds so intense if you say, interracial couple! Um, but yeah, this, this, this black guy and his white girlfriend who are going to meet the white girl's parents. So obviously the same premise. Uh, she hasn't told her parents that he's black. Um, and at first the parents just seem a bit awkward. But soon we get the feeling that something darker is going on. Excellent. And I think it's worth saying that we kind of have this general rule with our podcast that the old film is up for grabs in terms of spoilers, but the current film, we will have a spoiler-free discussion. So, uh, yeah, just for those people listening in terms of knowing what we're going to say and not going to say. So who wants to kick us off? Which one should we start with? Well, I think the first thing to say, of course, is... Get Out has been um, getting heaps and heaps of both critical and um, civilian viewer acclaim (laughs) for being not just an incisive, witty uh, commentary on um, the sad state of current uh, racial politics, but of course also it is a horror film, which of course makes it very different from Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Um, And Jordan Peele has done an extraordinary job of um, basically melding, I think, probably... The, the two most popular genres among cinephiles. Uh, it's almost guaranteed that everybody will go see it. The horror is not too horrific, to my mind, but it's certainly there. What, what genres are we talking? Um, oh, horror, horror and... And, um, and witty, incisive, political, social, political commentary, I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, everybody our age, and I will lump myself in with you younger gentlemen in this instance, everybody our age thinks, damn, this is the kind of film that we're interested in, you know what I mean? It satisfies us intellectually, uh, it satisfies us um, in, in terms of uh, comedically, uh, and 
has um, wicked plot twists and a, a horror element to go with, you know. Mm. Particularly I, attractive for millennials, I feel like. I agree. I mean, I agree. That I think that's really satisfying when you get those popcorn films or films that are just really enjoyable to just sort of sit back and let it take you along for the ride. But there is that that twist of something more relevant going on in the background. Mm. And I, I remember when we had our discussion about our top films of last year, and we were talking about themes that, that captured mm. our, our top five films. And I remember for myself, it was like, all of my movies were quite escapist films, mm. but had that real bite to it yeah. in terms mm. of social commentary. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, um, on the note of horror, uh, it, it's quite interesting. The, the, the horror is actually not, it's not explicit in Get Out um, until, I guess, the very end. But even so, so many, so many of the situations, it's, it's more a mundane sort of horror or... Mm. Um, the I'm social anxieties, yeah, yeah. It's, mm. it's much more of a thriller, I would say, until yeah. it veers off in the very end. Mm. Um, and I, I did find a lot of those those emotions and those those themes actually were reflected really well in the earlier film, I guess, Who's Coming to Dinner, especially when we look at Spencer Tracy's character and what a just horrible day he's been having for the entire movie. Um, and him, how, him being, we should explain, him being the dad, uh, the, the, the father, yes, the white father who's initially surprised and possibly horrified mm -hmm. that her, his beloved daughter, 23-year-old, has brought home a, a black man. <laughs> but yep. Mm -hmm. My favourite scene in the whole film is that when he kind of learns about this as well, because they act like nothing's kind of... Well, they act like nothing's going on. They don't quite tell the father what's happened. And so Sidney Poitier is sitting there with them, and, and, and the father comes home. He's very busy. He's a... I don't know what he does. He's a CEO or something quite... Uh, of a newspaper. Newspaper. Yeah. Newspa newspaper. Very busy. Comes along, sitting down. Hi, how's it going? Oh, you're on the same flight. Okay, cool. That's lovely. That's, oh, you're that's a amazing. doctor. Oh, you're a doctor. How Great. This is to meet hey, you. Hey, oh, he's going to stay for dinner. That's fantastic. Okay, starts to walk off, tries to walk off. And then finally, he gets the message. I can't remember who gives it to him. Well, he says, he says oh, no, he something's just up. It's, a, it's right. a double take, yeah. It's a double yeah. take. Yeah. And he kind of like, you know, after... Hanging around for about five minutes, he finally kind of goes, uh, "Oh!" And then he kind of steps back and just kind of tries to take it in, looks around, is, and and kind of opens his eyes for the first time. I love that scene. Mm, mm. There's, there's, but they're not just his. There's so many great moments in that, and I guess he's coming to dinner where the, the different people are confronted with with this reality, and like the, just this, the opening with the mother with Catherine Hepburn, and she doesn't even say much. And it's just all in her eyes, and mm. she—you can tell that she's those watery, watery eyes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's not that she's disapproving; it's just that she's—it's just so it's shock, it's physical shock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's great. It's interesting. I mean, the the the, the two films are not um, completely the the same or uh, comparable, but in the areas where comparison is warranted, it's really interesting that both sets of white parents consider themselves to be quite liberal. Um, and forward-thinking and not prejudiced. Um, and obviously it's more glaring in the, the earlier film um, that Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy are very, oh, it's nice to meet you, Doctor, but then when they realise this person might actually be coming into their family and marrying their daughter and procreating, that suddenly the prejudices rise rapidly to the surface. Like, it's great that he's an intelligent man, an educated man, and when they do the background check on him, he, he is, you know, far superior to, to any ordinary type boyfriend, but all of a sudden it matters. Whereas in Get Out... The parents are automatically, we, we think, to start with, um, Catherine Keener and um, Bradley Whitford, are immediately, hey, it's really nice to meet you, I'm going to speak all street with you to show you that I'm a man of the people as well. 
Uh, and it's only later that, that things sort of start to unravel, isn't it? Mm. Although that, that's the 2017-ness of it all. Right? I yeah. agree, yeah. The idea that, um, well, the, the thing that Get Out is really scurrying at the heart of it is the uh, upper middle class liberal who's, you know, we're not racist. Yeah. No, my, you know, I voted for Obama. I would, would so again if I could. That's right. So again. Yeah. That kind of thing, that, that mentality and that way of expressing themselves to people of other races. Mm. Um, yeah, is that, that is the center point of both, I would say, the, the horror elements and the comedy elements mm. of yeah. Get Out. Mm. And it's lovely how that develops, like, from the awkwardness uh, of kind of a little meeting and the Obama chats, and then as it kind of develops, we're meeting these other people from their little <laughs> world, and they're making very kind of offhanded comments that have kind of two meanings that you're kind of like I could take that in an extremely racist way but you've kind of just covered your ass enough that mm. I don't have to like and, and, and this character Chris is really adept at dealing with that but he mm. still has to take himself away and that's what drags us into it as well isn't it because mm. we're going you can so identify with mm. the social awkwardness and I love in both films the I guess the naivety of the female lead or the mm. female partner and, you know, they both are, and I, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but they both are so gung-ho in terms of this it's relationship. It's going to be fine. You know, and, yeah. and, they know, and no concept that there'll be any issue with bringing home a black boyfriend. And both of them, you know, Sidney Poitier's character and Daniel Kaluuya, is, that, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, both of them are like, are you sure? Of, you know, maybe, you know, they're maybe, the ones maybe that Maybe you should tell them. That's yeah. right. Because this they've is, experienced the prejudice yeah. forever, so they know... You don't be so. You're lovely, my love, but don't be so naive yeah. to think that this isn't going to be an issue. And in both movies, in both cases, uh, the, the guys are better at adapting to and responding to the the uh, circumstances, the casual mm. racism mm. or the discomfort around the fact that they mm. are in just a completely different world. Mm. But of course, they've had to be, yes. right? Mm. Yeah, because these so young white women haven't with... haven't had to deal with this. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's a, yeah, it's a naive, well-meaning. No, no, it shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> Whereas they're going, well, yeah, but my experience tells me that it has been, and therefore it might be again. Yeah. I love that scene as well in Get Out with the, with the two, the couple, the lead couple, when they are in the bedroom later on, and and she sort of says, "Oh my gosh, I never would have thought that they would have." They would have talked mm. to you like that. I can't, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe they did this. And mm. he's just sort of like, oh, come here and they kind of have a kiss or whatever. But yeah, just, I think, I think, like you're saying, William, that the, the, this is presenting the version of racism, you know, and that it's like nobody wants to think of themselves as racist, but. Well, it's sort of questioning, isn't it? Is it inherently racist for Bradley Whitford's dad character, whom I just adored <laughs> for so all great. his well-meaning awkwardness, or rather his unintentionally orcs comments, you know, oh, look, here's a picture that might interest you, you black young man in my house. This is Jesse Owens, and here's an anecdote about a black man, and, and I'm going <laughs> to call you my man, yeah. and, um, and I'm going to do all these street references to show that I'm down with you, and all that sort of... I mean, this is so fascinating to me as a white viewer to go, oh, I spot all the references... And I can see why this is awkward, but I can also see he's being really well-meaning and he's just mm -hmm. trying to be on the same level, but is that racist? Yeah. And I feel like, of, of, of course it kind of is, because it's acknowledging there is a racial thing here, mm -hmm. you yeah. know? And there's a disparity between uh, like positions of power as well. 
But yet then you could argue, but I'm just trying to be inclusive and I'm just trying to show that I'm not racist and that I do know these things and I am inclusive and blah, blah, blah. So I think one of the joys of watching Guess Who's Coming to Dinner um, was, you know, I thought it was just a wonderful film, but also very sad in a lot of ways because it just feels so relevant 50 years later and that I think positioning the parents as these very well-meaning liberal people that were having an issue with this um, that to me felt incredibly relevant for today. Uh, I mean, in my experience, my own personal experience in, in this country, coming to terms with, uh, I guess, institutionalised racism and, and realising that, oh my gosh, there's these massive blind spots that I've never had until, um, I guess, working in South Auckland. Mm. Um, and then also talking with friends and family who, who are very similar to me, and, and, and there's, there is a disconnect when I talk about certain things and I hear back points of view that I think, well, gosh, there's blind spots there as well. Mm. So, yeah, to look at a film made 50 years ago, 1967, and think, oh, wow, you know, how far have we come? Is it just that we, we brush it under the carpet and, mm. and, like, get out? We don't really talk about it front on. Mm. But in some ways, in my head, I kind of conceptualise Get Out as a rewrite or a writing back to Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And there's, there are, like, there's some great points of comparison. The obvious ones are there. And even to the, to the extent that in the first few scenes, there's, you know, a replica pretty much of, hey, have you actually told your parents that I'm a black guy? This, this exact same scenario happens, and it really sets up the tension. Mm. Um, but I think Peel, I could really imagine Peel sitting down and watching that movie and almost getting the idea for this film and just going like, you know what, this doesn't really show, guess who's coming to dinner, doesn't really show any of the violence or any of the hardship or real tough uh, issues in some ways around this. I think in some ways he's going, you know what, this needs to be more extreme. Somehow we need to make this more mm. extreme. Because a lot of it's kind of soft in some ways. I think it's a statement film, isn't it? I mean, you have, and the point I want to talk about is, is at the end of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, you literally have the patriarchy telling us what to do. Yeah, think. yeah. So the, the, the Spencer Tracy character has come to terms with the situation, and everybody's sitting, and I've got, a, I've got something to say, and everybody comes and sits down, mm. and he pretty much makes this statement about what their life is going to be, and you know, and if, if Sidney Poitier's father hasn't quite got there yet, well, that's okay. We'll, yeah, we'll have a time to convince him. Yeah, that's hilarious. Who's, who's ready for dinner? And of course, that's the end of the film. But mm. I, I just... And so that was that was the one part for me that was prob I was like, oh, is this problematic? Oh, I was sitting there going like this. Yeah. But then I thought about it, and I was like, for that film at that time, and even though it's still, it is the, you know late sixties, it's still a time of you know the civil rights movement's still very much happening. Um, it, it's sort of like the, the movie almost, came out before uh, Virginia v. Love, which is crazy. Like I'm not familiar. Oh, with you mean um, loving? The loving, sorry. Oh, well, loving. yeah, apparently it came yeah. out around the same time, and that was the oh. the court case that suddenly allowed interracial marriage. And in this, in that was the film. The of it didn't, didn't, was, um, didn't that happen? Didn't, didn't that pass though before the film got released? So there's a line in that film about. Um, how this is going to be illegal in so many states. That by the time the film came out, it was legal by that point. It, it may be, but wow. definitely they were they they were around at the similar and time. Martin Luther King Jr. was still alive. He, yeah. he was he was killed when the film was still in the theaters, and they went in and cut that scene out. I don't know if you know that. Right? No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I guess I was thinking about. It, I was like, this film is a statement, and and actually having the white man declare his mm -hmm. view on this. Uh, was potentially speaking to the patriarchy, you know, and this is this is kind of like this is now accepted as part of mm. the the uh, the new status quo. Yeah, the new status quo. So even though it's problematic for me now as a 2017 viewer looking back, mm. I was like, well, what other film significantly deals with 
with this issue and then makes a statement. Yeah, I guess yeah. it's one of those things where you do you, you take the context of the time and you go, okay, what's a step ahead for them? Not mm. not what's a step ahead for us, but what's a step ahead for them? Mm. And, and in this particular issue, even though the black father gets shut out, so in some ways it's kind of undercutting its own message. Yeah. It still it still at least has that kind of superficial um, message about it. And, mm. and and interesting you're saying about the black rights movement because. Of course, in America, there's recently been the Black Lives Matter movement, which apparently was not too far from when this film was starting to be made and has, has been part of it. And there has been a bit of a uh, resurgence in black American uh, filmmakers recently mm-hmm. with films like... Uh, this is actually taken from a New York Times article. But uh, Ryan Coogler's Fruitvale Station... Creed, um, Ava DuVernay's Selma, mm. Denzel Washington's adaptation of Fences, 12 Years a Slave, uh, Nate Parker's, well, the scandalous uh, Birth of a Nation. So the point is, of course, that you're making is that these are black filmmakers, these are black filmmakers making black yes. stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, then, and then what I was interested around that was films, was there a similar kind of um, swath of... of Black cinema around the set time? Well, it's black exploitation, isn't it? But but that was slightly later, right? Yeah, the 70s, 70s, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's quite interesting. If this was the only one, and it was kind of like... Well, it was a significant one, wasn't it? It it was a huge financial success. Mm -hmm. It was a huge uh, Academy Awards success. Um, So I think it would... I think that these sort of stories are incredibly powerful in terms of shifting social perceptions. So I, I would I would be interested to see how much this film influenced people's views on on interracial marriage. Do you know what what makes me uncomfortable about it though is and I suppose they're damned if they did and they're damned if they didn't, but it interests me that they made Sidney Poitier's character about as intelligent and well-educated as any human can possibly be. And when there is that sort of um, the background check phone call yeah. and he's mm-hmm. you know, been editor of this and that and he's professor of this and that and doctor and so on and so forth, and in a way it makes it more palatable, doesn't it, to, to accept um, yeah. uh, an African-American man into your family yeah. if he's one of the good types. Yes. They've really got you know, to soften yeah, 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 yeah. He's he, not a middle-class one, and, and God he's forbid a, he's actually on the, off the streets mm. or even a, you know, a drug dealer or a rapper or something. Something like that, and similarly, Chris Kaluuya's character in Get Out um, is—he's he, no hoodlum, you know, but he isn't as hyperbolically sort of brilliant as Sidney Poitier's character. Well, what about what about the fact that his his father, you know, he worked so hard to give him give him the opportunities that he had. It's like I haven't even thought about this. I put this in my notes, but you know, in terms of that idea that. You know, you can get out of poverty if you just work work well, hard. Which, and I'm not which character? Which film? This is in, in Guess It's Coming to Right, Sydney, sure. But, you know, it's like he's his father was working class and he, he just had to work hard and sacrifice and then that would actually mean that his son could and yet, achieve everything yeah. that he wanted. But and yet maybe the message of showing Sidney Poitier in a cinema in 1967 as an incredibly successful black man, maybe that's the important part yeah. of the message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe I shouldn't be worrying about whether he could have been uh, of lesser status and still lovable. But the Well, there's a connection as well that they talk about their children, and, and I love that little joke where he says, you know, we, they'll be the president of the United States, and then he says, oh, you maybe, know, maybe you should shift your expectations. Oh, well, I'll settle for Secretary of State. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, but 
Obama's parents were, you know, he had a, a black father and a white mother, and they mm-hmm. met in Hawaii, just yes. like the couple yeah. in this film, and, and he would have been born at similar time to their potential children were born, so yes. there's this really lovely mm. connection that, yes. that this film, uh, you know, foreshadowed what would come to pass. Yeah, yeah. it's quite interesting, that, that relationship between Poitier and, and his father, um, and I, it makes me think that a lot of this kind of political change that was going on at the time would have been backpacking on... A, a thrust of resilience or so um, a thrust of kind of defiance against the previous generation oh yeah a lot of it is about like oh well you know our parents are old school and they don't know what's going on and that kind of helps in so many ways for people to go this is why we're doing everything different it's like suddenly everything gets grouped under that and mm. really that's a major thrust of it I think is a reaction definitely I mean especially in that scene where he does confront his father and there's the famous line you know you see yourself as a black man I see myself as a man mm-hmm. and just that, that generation gap between ideals and, and what it means to be, to be human uh, for the both of them mm. that was interesting though that line for me did ring alarm bells because it was fine in terms of illustrating the difference between him and his father but it's like that whole thing of people who claim I don't see colour which is an inherently racist yeah. statement to make because wow. it's like yeah. if what you're really saying is that there's an issue with colour and then I'm going to blind myself to it well, well or similarly what that invokes for me is the, the furore around O.J. Simpson who O.J. Simpson famously didn't see himself as a black man and saw himself just as a man and a successful sports person lived a white man's life and that's how um, there was this really divisive um, support or, or lack mm. of for him amongst the black community because some would go, well, he's not even, mm. he doesn't even like admit that he's a black man, let alone live like a black man. Mm-hmm. He's not working for black men. He's not trying to, you know, um, support the African-American cause. So is that denial or is indeed that his right to mm. go, you know what, I don't want this to be an issue mm. and so on and so forth. And, and again, adding to the dynamics and complexities of this issue. Another example, um, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, mm. which is uh, another film. Some some people said that Get Out is a combination of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and yeah. Romero's and Stepford Wives. I mean, and, and we talked about Stepford Wives. and we talked about we talked about doing Night of the Living Dead. But interestingly, Romero said that that was not a particularly political decision. That was actually was the result of being colorblind. That mm. he. He cast someone who was the best person to be the actor, mm. and it had this lucky yeah. outcome. That was the ending he wanted, I think he, he said. Except that people then viewed it as a political mm-hmm. move, right? Yeah. Well, so particularly with Dawn of the Dead. Movie, and I didn't realise, I didn't read it like that. Well, I didn't read it like that until I watched Dawn of the Dead, which has a, a, a black actor as the central figure right. in that film mm-hmm. as well. And so I was like, oh, this is really cool. This yeah. is like a, this is such a... Um, yeah, I guess a version of the action hero. Not that those films are particularly action movies, but mm-hmm. still. And, and when, when were they made? Uh, so Night of the Living Dead is 67, I'm pretty sure it's the same year. Uh, and then Dawn of the Dead is 10 years later, roughly. Okay. Hmm. So yeah. in terms of those black actors being at the forefront, again, that time might be the... Yeah, kind of tipping point. I was just going to say uh, on the, on the note of uh, black people living in uh, white people's world. Um, did anyone see Keanu from last year? No. No. So it's also from Key and Peele. Uh, they don't direct it, but they wrote it, um, and it's it's fantastic. It's, so it's it's much more of a comedy than Get Out is, uh, but it's all about how white black people 
do in a black black person's world. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a crime movie. They're chasing after drug lord's kitten. It's it's really silly, but so much of it is social commentary about how um, I guess white black guys are looked down upon by yeah. people who are from the herd and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. Well, that because, issue and that issue's been going on for hundreds of years, right? With mm-hmm. is it Creoles? Yes. Creoles that are the ones the the, the black people that were what raised in white families and, and raised almost as white people mm-hmm. and had all the kind of mannerisms and understandings of a white person and so they're kind of treated very different and, and kind of and so I think the, the understanding was that they basically backstabbed their, their um, compatriots or their forebears yeah. Sort of yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, this kind of follows on. My, I'm desperate to make this point, and it does kind of follow on from this whole notion of what is an appropriate way to be as an African American. Mm. And this is exemplified in both films by the maid. Now, in the, the in, uh, I think her name is Tilly in the first film. Yeah. And Tilly is very, very overt. And she's very much like, what do you think you're playing at, son? When she speaks to Sidney Poitier in the bathroom or wherever. Um, you should know your place. You should know your... Don't get ideas above your station and all that. Which is really interesting because it perpetuates that idea yeah. of... Yeah. Well, I only ever expect to be a servant, and I don't see what you getting all high and mighty um, with all your degrees and trying to date this white woman that I've raised. How dare you? And then, of course, that's 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 mirrored a little bit in Get Out. Of mm-hmm. course, things then change, and we realise why, and that's what makes Get Out so clever and funny and interesting. But initially, all we know is that the black maid in the white person's house, in Rose's family's house, is shocked and appalled that she's brought this young African-American Chris home, you know. Um, and so that, that's really interesting um, to me. Mm, totally. I don't really, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't really have much more to add to that. No, I think. okay. Because mm. oh, I thought about the maids, I was thinking, what is the connection there? And there's definitely a statement. <clears throat> All I will say is that, and guess who's coming to dinner? I love the diagonal shot that happens in that scene. You know, yes. <laughs> sweeps over. It does. It, it goes a, touch angle, doesn't and, it? And yeah. so both, both their heads are level on the screen yeah. before it goes back. That's yeah. right. And then as she leaves the room and it storms out, doesn't she? And then it reverses, yep. which is really curious. It's film, very cool. I mean, I always love a Dutch angle. You know, I think it's it's great. I love yeah. a good Dutch angle. Well, Danny Boyle. Yeah, Danny Boyle. <laughs> Danny Boyle Danny films Dutch, all his films. Dutch, yeah, yeah, that's right. Joel Schumacher, like yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just think that was interesting because, of course, the rest of guests coming to dinner is is very classical. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Oh man, speaking of classical, the, those um, the painted backdrops. I mean, on an HD screen, it just looks so uh, it looks fake. Awful, and then it? people keep commenting, like, "Look at look the at San Francisco." Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. There's little lights in the background of the cars going across the, the yeah. bridge. And I was like, yeah. oh, someone's back there pushing the light." Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's great. So overall, how do you guys feel about guests who's coming to dinner? Do you know, every time she said, is it because he's a Negro? Yeah. Um, part of me went, oh, crikey. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it could have been worse, right? But I was just like, oh, God, oh, yeah, right, I get you, I get people, it. People talked um, about that, that being a, a bit of a saying from the time that, oh, I, I mean, I've got no problem with Negroes. I just wouldn't want one marrying my sister. Right. And it's a very similar issue here. Right, right. Like, right. I just like to say, um, Sorry, yeah. Well, well, one of the one of the things that, that I got from watching Guess Who's Coming to Dinner was I, I did find um, what's her name, Joanna or um, Joey, to be really um, almost a prototypical like manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. Um, how she's she's bubbly and peppy to the point that 
when her father tells her to shut up in the end, I was like, bravo. But she's look, I mean it's not the most nuanced acting, I think, throughout the film, is it? You know, all the nuanced sort of the most nuanced sort of character work. Mm-hmm. So I think she just has to be the epitome of I support this man no matter what and I will not let my parents tell me what to do and I imagine you know I mean 67 obviously was coming right in the 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 thrust of women's lib and all that but it's still a fairly progressive position for a young woman to take isn't it Mm -hmm. To, to defy the relationship really good positive relationship she has with these these doting parents, I yeah. suppose, and to say, well, I'm going, I jolly well want this anyway, yeah. you know. Mm. But, um, anyway. Just thinking about the disconnect, I think about going back to the point about Sidney Poitier's character talking to his father and just talking about the disconnect between the generations. I mean, you think about Graduate, which came out this year, I mean, that whole film is about that, how mm. he's, he feels so disconnected with his generation and, yeah. of course, the irony that he sleeps with someone from that generation. But, mm. yeah, it's, it just seems to be of that time when the teenage young people world is just is miles different from the war-torn world that's, of appearance. That's it, right? Mm-hmm. That's, this is the people that were growing up who hadn't been through the war, right? Absolutely. And well, they, think about... They've been through the Vietnam War. Uh, uh, not yet. No, not yet. So. No, it's, 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 it's just kicking, just off. kicking yeah. off. Yeah, it's, true. Yeah. Um, and then to get out, I mean, I think about our current generation and how um, there's, there's such more of a, a sense of what are we doing you know, like it, we, our, our parents' generation was pretty set in stone with their, their life and where it was heading. But in our generation, there's this kind of uncertainty about what's going to happen. Um, and I'm just trying to think if that's reflected in Get Out. I don't know. Oh, I think that the problem with Get Out is there's this whole big reveal that we can't really spoiler. That don't, don't watch any of the trailers. Yeah, or, oh or any my of the trailers gosh, that pop on YouTube. Oh my gosh, they spoil everything the in Get five Out seconds. trailers are appalling. <laughs> You're so right. I didn't pick anything up, though. I was quite happily just going along for the ride. You'd seen the trailer? I had, but I try not to think too much. I hadn't seen the trailer, and then when I saw the trailer (coughs) post-film, I was horrified (laughs) at what I'm so glad that I didn't know. Um, And get out some of the performances, because I love Catherine Keener. And she has not a huge role in this film, but quite a significant role Mm. as the mother who who has skills at hypnotist. She's a hypnotist therapist, Mm. and she wants to help him with his smoking addiction. Um, She's just... She's brilliant. Mm. Um, it, it was interesting. There were some connections in this film, just in visually, to being John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, she's a major part of that film. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, how, but how they use negative space, especially um, uh, in these, um, I guess, fantasy <clears throat> sequences where you feel the entire camera sinking with the viewer and it mm. feels so good. Yeah, yeah, that sink scene. Eh? Yeah. It's lovely. And also, I was really impressed by Alison Williams, who plays the... Um, girlfriend because mm. she's she's in Girls I don't know if you've watched the TV series Girls but mm. she's one of the key characters in that show but I just thought she was she was really strong and and she is effectively the same character as Catherine Horton from Houghton from Guess Is Coming to Dinner <laughs> but uh, the, the, cheer, I, the cheerleader almost well of. it is but I yeah. feel like I actually feel like those sort of roles can be really undersold mm-hmm. undersold in terms of how difficult it is to pull off the the kind of friendly, lovely girl. What was the word? What's the what's the <laughs> manic pixie dream girl? Man, well, no, not not quite that. Yeah, pixie dream girl. I mean, to do it with some kind of sense of sincerity and credibility right. to make it to yeah. make yeah. a real character yeah. realistic. The same thing happens with any um, any of those roles that is like the uh, sort of airhead mm-hmm. cheerleader role, but often has some heart behind it, which does happen in some yeah. films or stories. And again, it's really easy to, to, to pass those those performances off because of perhaps the role is frustrating. Mm. But the person, the, the actor behind it doing the work often is 
you know, can be doing a really good job. Mm. Um, and I thought she was really credible. I feel as though Jordan Peele has written a terrific film and that the, there are no characters at all who are remotely one or two dimensional. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best things about this film, right? It's yeah. how tight it is. And again, it, 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 it um, says a lot for how you can have, if you've got a really good idea, I feel like you don't have to worry so much about all these other things going on. And you go, okay, we've got a good idea. doesn't need to be super flashy. You don't need to throw in anything extra. Let's just nail it down. And they mm. do. They, they really nail it. Mm. I would challenge that though, Max, because I think that to do that simplicity well, you have to work really, really hard in that writing process to, mm-hmm. to you know, he, I would assume that he would have had more things in there that he culled back and crafted mm. back. Yeah. You know, to get it's to possible, simple, yeah. it actually takes a lot of work. That's true, yeah. Um, and so... You know, and, and, and an idea is one thing, you know, that's one half of it, but how you how you mm. articulate that idea or how you um, roll that out is mm. yeah, just mm. as important. Um, I, I must say, uh, Daniel Kaluuya was also really, really good in the mm. role of Chris. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have seen Black Mirror, any of the episodes of that? I have, but okay. not, yeah. not with him. Only a couple. Oh, really? Uh, he's, uh, if you've seen the cyclist... Um, oh, what? is that him? Yeah, it's him, the exercise bike episode. And Which so is when I stopped watching halfway through. <laughs> Here we go. Um, so, yeah, I know him from that. I also know him from uh, Sicario. He was, um, he was the, the, the friend, the, the cop. I don't okay. remember him in Sicario, and I've seen that a couple of oh, times. He was Emily Blunt's buddy who comes along for the ride, and he's just the observer for the whole thing. But oh, right. Yeah, I think he's got an American accent for that, and he does a fantastic job just grounding the whole thing. Mm. I, I love those moments where people say really awkward things, and he just kind of smiles yeah. and goes, ah. <laughs> like, just really well balanced in yeah. terms of him navigating... I guess the the bias or mm. maybe the the, 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 mind, the minefield of bias. Yeah. Do you know? So, that, you know Tiger Woods. So this. Did you play golf and squeezing his arm? So <laughs> the, the interesting thing about the interesting thing about Get Out, of course, is um, I, th- I think there's so much to be said for the whole kind of the lens that we all individually use to to watch a film, and we are three non-black people, four, we're mm. four, in yeah. fact, non-black people sitting around this table having watched this film. And the fact that you don't need Chris's character to kind of give you a face at the camera to let you know, oh, yeah, no, that was a bad thing to say. Yeah. The fact that we hear, oh, Tiger Woods. Um, and I, yeah. I, I, the minute that when they were counting, and there was a, there's a particular scene where one of the characters is counting, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. <laughs> and I, I, I'm pretty sure I went audibly, oh, you know, just because we're we're drawing these inferences mm. through it all, we don't need any of the characters to be going, oh, that's inappropriate. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're right, and I think in some ways that speaks to, the, I mean, a lot of this discussion we premised on thinking, okay, where's the level of racism at, basically? Like, from going to guess who's at, coming to dinner, we're like, okay, has, have things really changed? And that's one of the angles that we wanted to take on this discussion, right? Mm-hmm. And that is something. That is something that we are really identifying with the black character as our as our protagonist, and when they're speaking to the cop at the beginning of the film, mm, yeah. you know, it's, oh, it's, a, it's, it's a completely a innocuous situation, yeah. innocuous, um, you know, policeman mm. driver sort of mm-hmm. situation, but it is so laden, yeah. and we all know so much yeah. about. At least exactly. 20 years since, you know, it's, what is it, 25 years since Rodney King and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So, you know what I mean? There's I, so much. Yeah, and it also life, speaks yeah. to the literacy of, like, the viewers that, you know, Peel is really playing on how um, adept 
the viewers are at picking up those little cues that are awkward, yeah. things that are so um, popular these days in, in, in pop culture to use, these little mm-hmm. awkward moments. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, there's a whole other podcast and several books and books of essays to be written about the difference between a white Quentin Tarantino making an ostensibly black messaged movie and a black Steve McQueen and a black Jordan Peele making Mm-hmm. Um, message movies and things, and I, I guess we'll just have to backburner that. Well, I mean, it's probably worth pointing out as well, and you've already said it that none of us are black. Yeah, <laughs> well, we're uh, not even American. No, so so it's, it's it is very presumptuous of us, I think, to to be making some of these statements, but. I, you know, but no, it's I don't. To, no, talk look, about it than to be talk fair, about I don't it. think it is presumptuous, but I do think everything needs to be acknowledged through our lenses. That, yeah, and that's kind enough. of what I was saying before, yeah. you know. And so this is the thing. As a um, uh, let's just go, young white woman, um, is it like, is it interesting, or is it to be expected in 2017 that I would get a whole lot of those references and uh, and and think certain things were rather on the nose, or that certain things were kind of okay, or whatever, you know. I guess time will tell, won't it, in terms of how much this film will have an impact, like it always does with every film. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it'd be interesting to see the the success of this movie. What other films come out of this, yeah. uh, and also what other films that uh, Jordan Peele has yet to come up with. Um, he apparently has. Well, he was slated to direct Akira, which is just. Sounds like a horrible idea all around. Uh, he declined that, saying he just has so the, many the, the original. Is the, that the anime with the motorbike? In yes, that oh, is the amazing one. film. Yeah, yeah, and no need of remake for that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he told people that he has just so many cool ideas that he wants to get mm. up on screen, which is really really exciting. Just. I think it's going to be a good time. I do sort of, you know, I wonder whether, and I haven't extensively researched him or read up on, uh, read his interviews about Get Out or anything, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if, actually, first and foremost, he wants to do witty, incisive comment, social commentary, but that it's also about having a laugh. Because when I think back to my most favourite Kim Peel sketch, which will always be Mr. Garvey's substitute teacher <laughs> calling the role, um, calling all the, the role of, of the ordinary names, Jacqueline, Timothy and whatnot, and 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 all that. And I, ju- I could watch that sketch over and over and over. And it's partly, listeners, because I work in a school... Um, with predominantly South Auckland kids who have similar sorts of names. Um, so it's partly acknowledging that, but it's also partly because it's a, it's a very, very witty uh, subversion, or rather, yeah, a twist on, on what we're used to. And that's the same with Get Out. There's this very witty subversion and twist on, on sort of the, I don't know, racial situation that we're used to and that sort of thing. That, to me, is its strength and... and what makes it so interesting? It'll be very interesting for me, at least, to see whether they're, they're, um, this spawns a, a whole, a whole—I don't know—not genre, but a whole stream of films, yeah. or whether people go, "Well, no, actually, he's just done that. It was brilliant, and and anything more would just be a copy," you know. So, team, final thoughts, William. Okay, well, um, it's it's really interesting because both movies, uh, as we've been saying, are so so linked, um, and I think that's intentional from from Get Out's perspective. Um, Oh, the wind is really, really blowing. Okay, it's it's great to see how uh, times have changed since the the sixties and seventies. Uh, and whereas, guess who's coming to dinner has a very, to me, a very direct way of speaking. And Max, you used the word didactic, and I, I feel that that's it's a good word for describing this. 
Um, the message is very, very much there. It's very strong. And um, the patriarchy, Spencer Tracy, actually spells everything out for you at the very end. Mm. Um, it's, it's just the way of doing it. Whereas in 2017, everything is so much more, there's more nuance. Um, I don't know if that's a better thing or a worse thing. In my mind, it is, but other people might disagree. Mm. Um, it's just really, really cool to see how people are approaching what's ostensibly the same issue and the same problem with, like, greatly varying degrees of of tact mm. and of um of like anger and of of impact mm. i love the improvement of anger in this we're so much more forceful uh i'd say my last words are that this in some ways felt to me like a cure for a cure for wellness <laughs> <laughs> in the sense that there's a character that goes away and has to deal with a crazy situation and things get crazier and crazier but at least in this film there was a fantastic point underwriting it and I loved that which film? Get Out Get Out yeah all I have to say is Get Out is a tremendous film It to me we didn't get in we didn't even touch on all the the sort of the horror tropes um, and I guess we couldn't have done that the, without the spoilering elements, but the yeah. genre elements I just absolutely adore and I think everybody should see Get Out I don't even think if you if you don't like horrors I don't even think it matters because it's not that horrific that's not its point um, and it's it's just so witty and and clever um, that I think everybody ought to go see it I agree I loved Get Out I also just loved Casey's Coming to Dinner I was really surprised how much I loved Casey's Coming to Dinner it just sort of flew by I was sick when I watched it excuse me I was sick when I watched it and it was a great two hours or whatever it was and yeah Get Out I couldn't suggest it more it's definitely in my top films of the year so far and yeah this has been a great two films to compare Thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoyed our podcast, then please share it with your film-loving friends. You can listen to Cinema in Context through SoundCloud, through Apple Music Podcasts, or even on YouTube. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook, which are also great places to let us know what you think this episode is like, or give us suggestions for future films to discuss and compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time, and until then, ka kite anō.